Welcome to the Latin Wealth Podcast, a podcast dedicated to educating the Latino community about entrepreneurship, investing, and business. Yo, what's going on, Latin Wealth family? Welcome to another episode to the Latin Wealth Podcast. Hopefully, you guys are blessed and doing well. I'm feeling good about today and today's conversation. Before we get into it, if you could do me a huge favor and share this episode with three other people out there that needs to hear this content, this episode, this interview, it's going to be a phenomenal one. If you've gotten any value or any uh, positive motivation, inspiration from this platform, please go ahead and just share it with a couple other people out there. Hit the little share button, hit the little three dots, text it at somebody, drop it in a group chat, uh, Facebook, whatever platform you use, go ahead and share it with some people out there because today's going to be a great episode. And with that being said, we got to introduce our guest today. Our guest for today is the founder of Hija de Tu Madre, an LA-based Latina lifestyle brand. They design apparel and accessories for Latinas all around the world. And I really love this short description on their website that they have about the brand, right? It says, our fashion serves as a reminder of where we came from. Um, and who we are. Love that. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of different things today. Welcome to the podcast, Patty Delgado. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm so good. Thanks yeah. for having me, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first off, you know, thank you for coming out here and jumping on the podcast. And um, I know you're currently doing a pop-up tour, which we'll, we'll dive into later. And, you know, the whole purpose of all of that, but you're going around different cities and you happen to stop in Dallas. So I hit you up. I was like, yo, let's make this happen. So thank you. Yeah. Uh, but talk to me. What, uh, how, how, how have you liked Dallas? Like, what are some things you maybe don't like or you do like? You happen to come where it's just hot and humid <laughs> and all that. But talk to us about, like, you know, this is your first time in Dallas? This is my second time in Dallas. I came last year for the same thing. We okay. were on our first pop-up tour. This is our second. But we came in January, mm -hmm. and it was, like, so lovely and beautiful. And then this time around, I'm like, did I make a mistake? <laughs> we landed in San Antonio, and it was 115 degrees. Wow. So I was like, no, <laughs> let me go back. I got to go back home. I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's funny because uh, we'll dive into your story right now. You said you're from the IE. You know, I, I lived in the IE as well in the Inland Empire, California. And um, the heat out here is just different. It's, it's, different. it's different, huh? <laughs> I don't know how you do it. I'm getting through it. You know what I'm saying? So um, glad to have you here. You know, what? how we like to start off these podcasts is like diving into your background your upbringing and really the journey of how you know you got to where you're at now so take us back take us back to when you were young talk to us yeah definitely i'll take you way 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 back so i'm the daughter of two mexican immigrants they are from the same small town in jalisco mexico called mm -hmm. san juan de los lagos my mm -hmm. parents met there they grew up there and they both migrated to L.A., specifically Boyle Heights, which is East L.A., a predominantly mm. Mexican uh, community neighborhood. That's where I was born. And then we kind of like moved out east towards the IE, like mm. post-L.A. riots. And just like I really grew up in the IE. Mm. And... Yeah, I what was part? a little rocker kid. I was I grew up mostly in Colton. Got it. I feel like no one knows about Colton. <laughs> it's deep. It's deep in there. Um, but I love the nine oh nine and yeah. I was a little rocker kid growing up. I was a little weirdo. My like favorite 
pastime was like offending my parents, disappointing mm. them, destroying my clothes. Um, I was just like a little hot topic rebel emo kid for a very long time. Yeah. And I've always kind of had that spirit of like doing whatever I want and definitely not doing what was expected of me. And I think that even shows in adulthood. Mm. Um, grew up in the IE, then went to back to LA. I went to college out there, UCLA. And I kind of always stayed in LA. I have like a real, I've always had a big affinity for culture. Mm. I was very involved in like a lot of community organizing activist scenes in East LA. And I always had like a curiosity for culture and my identity. And I'm like a little Nosabo kid. My Spanish isn't the best. Yeah. I can't relate to my Mexican cousins that well. Um, I'm too like white for them. And yeah, I feel like I've always had of had these like cultural existential questions and mm that curiosity of like where do i fit in is what eventually led me to starting hija de tu madre no that's awesome i love that and i know your parents um i heard they're entrepreneurs as well they've always been like hustlers and trying different things um talk to us about growing up in that type of household and seeing that yeah so my dad has always been a hustler you know he tells me stories about how like when he was a kid he was like that little chiclet kid like mm. selling gum in the streets and selling candies to strangers and where my family's from it's like a a big um national tourist destination mm -hmm. like after mexico city there's like la basilica where my parents are from it's the second biggest visited site for like you know, mm -hmm. their beard hen that's from that town. So they get a lot of national tourism. So I that city is really built around like serving that tourism. And so all my family members own some kind of business or a restaurant. And so I just was so immersed into that. Mm -hmm. Like it's so normal in my family to start a business. It's weird to have a real job. I will say that mm, I grew up in a different way yeah where like my parents didn't necessarily encourage me to get like a grown-up job they encouraged me to like go start a business go hustle that's really interesting because you hear from most people especially you know immigrants that come to the united states they they want their child to be safe go to school get, get a secure job and not put any not you know come across any risk yeah and it seems like your parents were like no whatever you want to do just go for it Yes, my parents are for sure like my number one fans. Like I'm really lucky and really blessed that I have like Latino parents that like really see the value in what I'm creating and mm -hmm. like will drop anything to like go mail something for Help me out, or go yeah. pick something up. And I'm really lucky. No, that's amazing. So you. you're going to UCLA. Um, did you graduate? You know, how was that process? Talk to us about that yeah i was a transfer kid so i went to like ucr for two years and then okay, I went to UCLA, Riverside. <laughs> and um i majored in religious studies so going back to what i said earlier about like doing whatever i want even though it's like frowned upon by my family like i remember when i picked my major my parents were like so you're gonna be a nun like that's oh that's okay <laughs> <laughs> you're like okay we rock with it we're gonna support <laughs> yeah they were so confused but i you know i was like a little existential like i was going through my little existential crisis i think of like where do i fit in mm. um questioning like my own beliefs my spirituality and i think i was really able to see myself by studying and learning more about the world so mm. religious studies was my shit mm. 
And so that was my major. And as you might imagine, when you graduate, there's not a lot of jobs for somebody with a yeah, religious very study. Specific, yeah. <laughs> so um, I ended up kind of betting on my graphic design skills because okay. when I was at UCLA, I was really involved in like designing our school magazines, a lot of like designing and press on mm. campus. So those skills got me an internship mm. doing just like graphic design. And then that internship turned into a job and then another job and then another job. And then eventually just like me being a freelance graphic designer. Okay. And I learned a lot. And okay. And I didn't even really study that. So interesting. So you're a freelance graphic designer at this point. And, you know, what, what was that switch? What was that transition into like just freelancing and actually owning a business? Two completely different things. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so in 2015, I had this crazy little idea mm. that I was going to move to Mexico City because I was a freelancer. I had a couple clients. I was like, I could do this. Mm -hmm. Like, I can make this work as long as I have Wi-Fi. And so I moved to Mexico City. I had some cousins, like, living in an apartment. And I was like, I'll just rent a room. I'll, I will figure it out. That's mm -hmm. kind of, like, my motto. I'll figure it out. Figure it out, yeah. And... So while I was in Mexico City, I was documenting my travels under a blog called Hija de tu Madre. Mm. And it was like a really cool blog. I would like talk about like the best micheladas in Mexico City or what beaches to go to in Oaxaca. Mm -hmm. Or like I went to Guatemala for a week. This is what happened. So just like traveling my or documenting my entire experience as this like little like L.A. girl, California girl coming to Mexico City and like really you know getting in touch with that culture mm -hmm. i came back and there was a certain someone why did you go back i ran out of money okay <laughs> <laughs> I was like, i'm like i need it, to get a real it, job now <laughs> it sounds like you're having a great time but okay it makes sense <laughs> I, I ran out of money uh, there was like a time where was i i think we were in guatemala and i was like damn like should i like eat today or should i like you like i might have to just stay out here or should i max out another credit card and buy a flight back home i just like ran out of money i was like it was got time it. to come back got it and how long were you going around uh, mexico and central america for i think like eight months like okay. a little less than a year and i came back i was like okay i need to get a job for real for real and during this time, this is now 2016, and there's a certain someone running for president, and okay. they might just get it. So I come back home after like feeling so in love with being Mexican. My mm. Spanish got better. I was living my best life. I come back to the U.S. Like this fool is like blabbering about some like anti-immigrant shit, mm -hmm. like just like the most offensive and out-of-pocket shit. Like I was in such disbelief because I was just so disconnected from that being in Mexico. Mm so i was like huh this is interesting um and then so as i'm like kind of getting my life back together trying to find a job i had this idea to make myself a jacket mm. so when i was in mexico i had bought like this tiny little like patch almost like it's called an applique that had like a sequin embellishment of our lady of guadalupe yeah yeah I like put that on the back of my old Levi's jacket and I was like, dude, like I wanted at that time, I think I just like wanted to feel that connection that I felt when I was in Mexico City, especially living in this like very like 
politically heated time. And I just like wanted to feel close to something so mm-hmm. sacred. And like that was it for me. Mm-hmm. And when I put that jacket on, I just felt like a light bulb go off. Like, huh, if I feel so close and so connected to this jacket, this mm-hmm. little thing that I put together, like imagine how many other women, Latinas, culturally confused ass girls like me mm-hmm. could benefit from some, from this feeling. And so it just got me thinking of like, okay, I think I should explore this a bit further. So that's when you transitioned from blogging to starting a brand. Yeah. And even during this time, I had gotten a job working for this really big beauty brand Mm. and I got fired. (laughs) So I used that money from working there for like three days um, to buy supplies, to make my first 50 jackets, to buy my little Squarespace subscription um, I had like $500 and I just put that to just like launch Hija de tu Madre. So did every, and I'm just, this is like a side note, I'm just curious, was every jacket the same? Like where did you get 50 of the same Levi jackets from? Did you thrift them or? Um, so these, I worked with a vendor. Okay. That was like wholesaling denim. I yeah. bought some jackets in China. Um, I bought the supplies to make the like sequin embellishment of La Virgen on the back. Mm-hmm. And I just started sewing. So... I love that because you said you it was only like $500 that you had that you started this brand with. And we're going to get into, you mm-hmm. know, what you're doing now. But I love that part of your story because it's relatively small investment, to be honest. Let, let's be yeah. honest. If you were able to come up with that money in three days, you know, that's other people can do it as well. But um, you just I love the fact that you took that risk. You took that chance to just whatever you probably had in your bank account, let's just put it into your dreams and your goals. And, you know, uh, I mean, that investment probably 500 times X, you yeah. know, the initial investment. And in. now you're you're operating in your gift and your purpose, right? So um, I love that part of the story for sure. So, but I do know you made the 50 jackets and it was like no sales for a couple of <laughs> weeks, right? It was... <laughs> it was crickets. Crickets, right. It was really... I was like, huh, this is weird. Like, you know, you get so excited, you put something out, you share it to the world, and then it's like, hello, like, what's going on? Mm, a lot um, of people feel like that. And it was okay, though, because I think I had launched the business, like, maybe, like, the last week of October, first week of November 2016. And then, like, by Black Friday-ish or towards the end of November, I had gotten in a couple of like little listicles. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think it was like a Me Too or Remescla or something. And they had like featured my jackets on like a gift list mm, for the holidays. And like that really changed. Did you pitch them or they just came across you on social or something? I think, no, I for sure did some like gorilla DM dming yeah like i think i had slid into somebody's dms who i knew was like on their staff and i had just said okay this is i've never said this before but this staff writer at the time i think had her own etsy shop mm-hmm. i i really went in on the internet no talk about it sometimes <laughs> you gotta you gotta do it so to- what had happened was i found out who the staff writers were there was one girl in particular after like creeping on her i found out she had an etsy shop selling jewelry so i bought her one of her necklaces and then i dm'd her like hey girl just bought a necklace can't wait to get it by the way this is my brand Mm -hmm. in case you ever want to feature it you know just like let me know and of course she loved it she even loved the gesture probably even more that i took the time 
to like stalk her, buy something mm. from her business and introduce myself. And so she put me in a listicle and like that really paid off. Man, that's a, that's a gem right there. That, <laughs> that is a gem. That's that's finding somebody you want to gain contact with, you want to network with. You yeah. know, how can I provide value instead of just saying, hey, here's here's my product, right? You took it a step further and you bought something from her. That opened up the door. And then on the back end, you said, hey, look, check out my stuff too. Support each other, right? Yeah. So that's, that's a gem right there. Yeah, and I think that's definitely been something that's helped me throughout this entire journey like i don't have investors like Mm. i don't have like a celebrity endorsement yet but like something that's been my superpower i think is like knowing how to ask for a favor and asking for a favor isn't one-sided you know like that will only take you so far i think true collaboration is like being the first one to like do something for the Mm. other person for the other party and then asking yeah. kindly. 100%. 100%. So you, you're getting a couple sales. Where do you envision this brand going, right? Um, you're probably feeling excited. You know, you're probably getting a lot more sales and whatnot. Where do you yeah. envision this thing going? So during this time, now we're talking like late 2016, early 2017, I'm starting to quit all my clients because i just don't have the time freelancing yes my freelance design clients um because during this time i'm like okay like if i could just one i'm miserable working with these people Mm -hmm. i don't got time for this if i could just focus on my stuff if i could do what i'm doing for my clients for myself i would be way more successful and so that's what i ended up doing by the spring of 2017 six-ish months later like i'm a free woman there's no more clients so now i'm like okay this is this is going to be something because mm-hmm. I'm getting more press. I'm getting more attention. People really love these jackets. I think by then we've already expanded to like T-shirts and accessories. Mm. So I, I have a brand now. It's not right. just these jackets. It's sure. like I have other categories that I'm developing into. And I think I just always had that confidence even when I first started and got zero sales. Like I think this is going to be a brand that resonates with a lot of people. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know where that's going to take me, but I know people want it, so mm. I'm going to keep going. So you said five years ago in an interview, you said that you were not done and you wanted to really create something that lived long after you, right? And I, I love that because, um, like you said, at this point, you only had a couple different products, and that was five years ago. So now you have a team of people at one point you had a warehouse um all your team working remote and whatnot and um if you can speak to that consistency i think is huge that it's it's overlooked because five years doing something most people if they don't see results within five months they're out right And you stuck at it for five years and like seven years. Seven years now. <laughs> I, I, okay, my bad. No, it's okay. It's <laughs> okay. I mean, even crazier. Seven years. Is, <laughs> speak to that consistency. I'm sure it wasn't all, you know, rainbows and sunshine. There was a lot of probably a lot of roller coasters. But speak to yeah. what kept you consistent. Oh my gosh, I don't know. I think back then, I I think I'm in a very different place than I was maybe five years ago even, mm-hmm. you know, like two years into the business. But I think what kept me going is the community that I'm building. And mm-hmm. it's really validating and it's really fulfilling when you create something that so many people want on like a spiritual level, not even like that's a cute 
necklace or that's a cute jacket like when i wear this thing that you made i feel complete i feel mm. seen i feel confident i feel like i can show up into this white space and like be myself or like share a bit of my identity and my story that i wouldn't have been able to otherwise mm -hmm. so i think hearing those types of testimonies and that feedback is what really keeps me going because if it really wasn't for that community support like i for sure don't think I'd still be here. Was there any point that you felt like quitting or giving up? And if so, how did you overcome that? I definitely feel like quitting all the time. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, talk about it. Hey, I'm saying talk about it because like, you know, we see people with brands and yeah. followers and all that. We think, like I said, it's all sunshine, but there's a lot that goes behind it, right? There's a lot of, um, yeah, I just say there's a lot that goes behind it, but I'll let you talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I, f I say that jokingly, like I feel like quitting all the time because I think I picked a really difficult business, mm. you know, like there's thousands of t-shirt brands, you know, that I'm competing with and e-commerce is always changing and evolving and it's very competitive now mm. more than ever. So sometimes I do feel a little bit defeated, um, but I keep going because I know what I'm doing is needed and mm. I need it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, that need is the drive that keeps mm -hmm. me going. I I really love the community that I'm building. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I do things that maybe aren't the best, or don't have the best ROI, mm -hmm. but I do it because I just feel so deeply connected to the community that we're building. No, and I do it from the heart. 100%, I love that. So. I'm saying like you, you, I've heard some interviews with you and you're, you're big on like following your dreams. Your parents distilled it in you. They're not really expecting you to get a job. They, you know, entrepreneurship freedom is what they're preaching to you. Uh, I'm curious, you know, for some people out there, if they want to reach their dreams and their goals, maybe one of the steps they have to take or that leap of faith they have to take, they're going to have to quit their job at some point to really go all in. Looking back, what you know now, what are some practical steps that you would give to people out there if they are looking to quit their job and jump into their dreams and their goal whatever that is whether it's like mentally you got to get right or like financially have this like what are some steps that you would suggest for people to to make that transition when it comes to quitting your like full-time job to committing to a like a hustle or your entrepreneurship career i think it really just comes down to like the microeconomics of your time mm. and your resources mm -hmm. you know like let's be realistic like can you afford to like not have that salary and take a risk like what kind of data points do you have like okay like how many clients do you have right now or customers with your like side hustle and like can you 4x that by this date mm. with like this amount of investment do you know what i mean i feel like you gotta start thinking a little bit more like i hate to say it but like almost like a greedy white man like yeah, you know like really look at the data like you know, like, do you have two hours to spend after your job every day, like building your website or like, you know, creating like a marketing strategy? Like, I think we just got to be realistic. And I think it's OK if it takes longer. For sure. Because I think some people what I notice is like entrepreneurship is like so glamorized and it's so mm -hmm. sexy but like let's be realistic it's fucking ugly mm -hmm. it's hard you know there's nothing wrong with having a full-time job you know and things take time like if you could spend like an hour a week 
two hours a week. I think that's like good enough to start until you build up more data to see where you can really go. No, I love that you you brought that up because, like you said, people glamorize it. We got like these influencers on here that are telling you to 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 quit your job and all that. And I've spoke about it before on the podcast, but you know, utilizing your resources, utilizing your time more effectively. If you got to put the Netflix down, you know what I'm saying. If that's taking up two hours of your night, use that time to build your website or use that time to draft up designs and whatnot. Uh, and then your resources use your nine to five to fund what you got going on right so no i love that that's big a lot of people you know how it is they just (laughs) telling you to jump in the deep ocean don't do that (laughs) please (laughs) Uh, absolutely so um walk us through a little bit deeper into your brand so it's maybe around 2018 2019 when are you seeing some like big traction and some big growth with the brand yeah, definitely. Yeah. So where are we? I think pandemic time. So okay. like, you know, I think 2019 we saw a boost. Like it became mm-hmm. like a six-figure business in 2019. But then from 2020 and on, it became a seven-figure business. Mm-hmm. And I think what really changed for me was just like how we like monetize and like mm-hmm. market the business. So like definitely having like our automation funnels on like making sure like when people go to your website like you're capturing a phone number or you're offering a gift with purchase in exchange for joining our email list you know like having a lot of these kind of like funnels turned on so that like i don't really have to do anything Mm -hmm. um and i think expanding into other categories really helped me too like pandemic like athleisure was like really big so like Mm. really kind of looking at the times and the atmosphere to make merchandising decisions absolutely and you mentioned um at one point you had a warehouse but now you kind of shut that down you went in a different direction you pivot talk to us about that and all your team teammates your employees they work remotely now yeah so it was a very hard decision because growing up or not growing up but like starting the business i really wanted a warehouse to Mm. me that was like the epitome of like okay i've made it i have a big enough space to house all this inventory we can screen print we could do photo shoots here it just sounded like the pinnacle of success for that point in time for that stage in my career and turns out like It wasn't, you know, Mm -hmm. like it was for a moment, but I think, you know, I was dealing with my own like mental health struggles and like also I think a lot of us were in like 2021, 2022, you know, like dealing off that like pandemic brain Mm -hmm. and trauma. And so I think I really needed to step away and really figure out like, okay, like does this warehouse or like housing all this inventory here, is this really like the perfect representation of like my success. Like, of course not. Like, that's so silly. Um, Mm. You know, I can let someone else house our inventory and fulfill our products and I can focus on other things and I don't have to be so attached to this place or this thing. And so that was like a very hard lesson for me to like learn Mm. how to be less attached and really focus on like helping myself and really kind of investing back into my own mental and emotional health. Yeah, so I would definitely want to hit on the whole mental health aspect of it as well. well what, how did your your team receive that? Like, hey, we're all going remote now, and this we're not going to have the warehouse anymore. How did they receive that? 
I mean, it's hard because this is also during a time where there's a lot of talks about recession. So mm-hmm. we unfortunately did have to size down. Mm-hmm. And that was a really, 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 really hard decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that just comes with being an entrepreneur. Like yeah. you have to make really difficult decisions that sure. hurt and aren't very glamorous. And mm. that's what ended up happening. But I think now with the team that I have now, I feel like we're I we're growing with the times. You know, people want to work remote. Mm-hmm. People want to have that flexibility. And I, and I love the team that I have right now and the way that we're able to connect while being in the spaces that we love. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. So um, I know you mentioned in, in another interview that you often feel burnt out as a business owner, right? I'm curious, what do you do to bounce back from these burnouts? And what are some of the things you do to take care of your mental health as a business owner? Mm. I think the hardest thing as a business owner or like when you're kind of trapped in that like negative thinking spiral, the hardest thing is to like stop it, to Mm -hmm. like imagine an alternative way of thinking Oh my gosh, changing your mind is like probably the hardest thing ever in like human behavior, changing a habit. So I think what I try to do is like interrupt the spiral, mm-hmm. you know, because I am I can get very obsessive and like, you know, if one thing didn't work out or like one thing didn't go as planned, like I'll obsess about it. And so just like taking a second to be like stepping outside of that thinking yeah. and like examine it from like a macro lens Um, is what helps me and like okay but I also learned this Mm. or like that didn't work out or that didn't pan out but at least we can do this next time Mm -hmm. I think that's like really the only way Mm -hmm. you kind of can keep going forward no I don't I don't know the exact number but I think there's a statistic out there that says that 80 percent or 90 percent of the thoughts that we have are negative and we have like somewhere from (laughs) 40,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day like just coming and going coming and going and then also that we say that we could balance two different thoughts in our, our mind, but we really can't. We can only focus on one thing at a time. So if we're having that many thoughts and most of them, the thoughts are negative, uh, and we're only focusing on the negative aspects, then, you know, you're going to have to do something about that. Right. So like you said, taking a step back, stopping that spiral, um, something I love to talk about on the podcast is replacing those negative thoughts with truth. Like what's really going on in your life? What are some positive things that are going on in your life? So, but I'm curious, what are, what are some like specific things that you do to like take care of yourself? Cause I love the fact that you, you take a step back. Um, but what else do you do? You mentioned you got a spot in, um, what is it? You said Palm Springs? Joshua Tree. Joshua Tree. So maybe getting out the way, getting away from the city, probably that helps you out as well. Oh my gosh, uh, what else? Yeah, yeah I, I'm really lucky that I live somewhere that's like so peaceful and so calming. So I don't know when I'm feeling stressed out, I'll go outside and I'll hug one of my chickens. Literally, Mm. I have like four chickens, Um, like a crazy farm lady. That's my ultimate goal Mm. is to have a farm. And I just get closer to the earth. It Mm. sounds like really hippie and like really weird, but like, you know, the things that I stress out about the most are not like, I have to keep telling myself it's not real. Do you know what I mean? Like not enough likes on a post. That's not real. Mm. That's like no one's going to die. Like we're okay. Mm. You know, like I need to call the people that really love me and really see me spend time with the people that like really fuck with me 
go pet my dog, go hug my chicken, like go attend to like the needs that make me human. Mm. Like that's how I take care of my mental health. Mm. I love that. So um, I'm curious, what's what's the recent failure you had as a business owner and how did you overcome it? And how did you how did you overcome it? Oh man. I mean, I feel like I'm failing every day and I'm also winning every day. That's good. Like everything is relative and I don't like to look at life and my actions or the product of my actions and like wins or loses or wins and failures because like I will never sleep and like mm. that is an impossible way to live. So I like to look at things in shades of gray. And like nothing is really a failure. Mm. No one actually really fails unless you kill somebody on accident. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. no one's <laughs> failing. So I don't know. I just give myself a lot of grace, you know, like mm -hmm. better I'll do it better next time or I'll learn from this. No, I love that. I think I, I think similar too, where same thing, you know, not necessarily that we have failures, but we have lessons. You yeah. know, what did I learn from that? How can I bounce back from that and do better? So yeah, I love that perspective. So fast forwarding to today, you guys are on a pop-up tour, which I love. I'm, I'm curious, how did this come to be? Like what was just like a crazy idea you had? And you're like, let's just hit around, just hit a, up a bunch of different cities and connect with the people. Talk to us about this, this tour that you're, you're going on. And by the way, when this episode comes out, it will be um, June 30th. Tomorrow she'll be in Chicago, which is July 1st. So she'll be in Chicago tomorrow. If you're listening from Chicago, tap in and, you know, meet up with the with the community and the team. Yes, thank you. I I love doing these pop-up tours. So Ihat Mother did their, our first pop-up tour last year, and we hit up most of the Southwest. So, like, Texas, Arizona, New Mexico. We were in California a lot. And it was awesome. It was a great learning experience. I think it really taught me that I don't need a store. Mm. I can bring my store on wheels to people and get a really awesome return and get to connect with our community in a way that I can't really do online. And I learned that like my people need my business, you know, like people really appreciate what I'm doing. And so like, we gotta keep this going. Mm -hmm. So it was a very validating learning experience. This year, I'm like, okay, let's take it a step further. Let's go to all the places we weren't able to go last year mm -hmm. to the big, like, Hispanic, Latino communities. So this year, we're doing Texas. We're going to Chicago. We're going to New York. We're going to Miami. Mm. And I'm hyped. I'm, I love, I get so much, like, serotonin and dopamine yeah. from connecting with strangers who love Hija de tu madre, it's really awesome to be able to see people appreciate my brand, our creations in real life. No, I love it. That's a phenomenal idea. Um, so walk us through like how one of these days go for you. Like you wake up, how are you preparing, you know, for all the community and the people and whatnot? And then walk us through even like the day of, or I'm, I'm sorry, when you're actually there and people are connecting yeah. with you. So it's very like logistically intensive. So a lot of planning goes into this, but we have it pretty locked down where like we really only have to, I wake up, you know, I go over like, where are we meeting? Where are we going? What time do we have to be there by? Mm -hmm. Probably put out a couple of fires because we still sell online. So there's, you know, there's other things that need to be done. Um, I'll connect with our social media manager. Mm -hmm. We'll like Slack real quick. And then I kind of have to like get on with our day. We set up 
usually like two hours before like our pop-up time. And we have it down. I'm here with my boyfriend, Daniel, who's also on our team and he's been managing all the operations of our pop-up tour. No, we hire staff in every city that we go to. Mm. So every city, it's like a new team that I get to meet. Yeah, what's up? I like that. Yeah. And we hire like a new content creator in every team. So it's been really cool to work with people from the community who also kind of help us amplify our efforts mm -hmm. and bring in people. And it's been really awesome. And we'll sell. We're doing a lot of like really cool interactive stuff. So if you sign up for our text messages, you get to spin our wheel. Mm -hmm. You might win a t-shirt, a hoodie, something. Um, I also recently came out with a bilingual conversation card game mm -hmm. that I want to share with you later. Okay. And so we have like a really cool table set up where we just like pick out strangers. and like, hey, do you want to like trauma dump with us and <laughs> we'll just like play the game and it's been so fun we yeah. want to do things a little different and more sure. interesting and engaging and that's what we're doing with this pop-up tour i love it so i'm curious speaking on the brand specifically the whole brand identity and whatnot and some of the content you guys create i think it's so unique to who you guys are can you kind of explain the essence of the brand and I mean, the con I know you have uh, experience with creating content and graphic design, but how do you guys cultivate like who you guys are and what people see online? Yeah, I think it comes back to values. Like mm -hmm. what does, what do I value and what does the brand value? And so the brand really values that like intersection of culture, you know, mm -hmm. that like in-betweenness, that like gray space of like, you know, and I pull from my own experience of like, I'm not too Mexican, but I also don't really, the whole American thing is kind of complicated. Mm -hmm. So like I'm somewhere in the middle, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, my Spanish isn't the best, but I prefer English. So where am I on this like sociocultural language mm -hmm. level? And so that all of these like complexities and these like, intersections i think show themselves in our content mm -hmm. so and in our products as well like we're always touching on the nuances like mm -hmm. i don't like to touch on like the stereotype I, we're not all mexican we don't all eat hot cheetos and takis <laughs> like there's so much more to being hispanic or being latina Complex, yeah. latino um and like let's showcase that mm -hmm. you know and i think we do a pretty good job through our content and through our products no, that's, that's, I love that. That's something that I'm definitely working on because, um, like you said, it's very complex. And, you know, for me, my experience growing up, you know, my, my Spanish isn't the best. And it's almost, in our culture, it's almost like looked down upon if you don't speak Spanish, right? It's like, yeah. you know, what you doing? Um, and me being Puerto Rican, I grew up on the West Coast. You know, there's not as many of us on the East Coast. So, like, the whole New Yorican thing is like, you kind of wish that you were a part of that but i love what you said because you being in that gray space me being a, a cali rican it, it's okay you know that's your perspective that's your upbringing and it's other people that share that same experience with you and i love that how you're kind of creating that space for people to relate to and that's something i'm working on is creating that space where people can relate to as well i believe that so full-heartedly because mm -hmm. I, something that I hear a lot in this community is like, we need more representation. We need more representation. Like mm -hmm. 
So then go make it. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like no one's going to be able to tell your story. Like you go make that short film. You go make that piece of art. You go make that necklace, that poem that mm-hmm. represents you. And I feel like we have to tell our own stories mm-hmm. and not wait for these big media companies to tell it for us because they're going to get it wrong. Get it wrong every time. Yeah. There's too much nuance. There's too much like complexity to mm-hmm. being Hispanic, you mm-hmm. know, and like not one story is going to like encompass all of our shared stories. So like go tell your own story. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, switching gears a little bit as a business owner, you know, what are some of the ways that you continue to improve as a leader and as an entrepreneur? Do you have like mentors? You got like, yo, I'm reading books, podcasts. Like what is it that, you know, keeps you, you know, I guess in trend or just improving? Yeah. So I've definitely had mentors in the past, um, especially like in the digital marketing space, because I think that's one area where it's like you kind of have to know somebody mm-hmm. like it's kind of I mean, yes, you could YouTube. Yes. Read all the articles. But I think really working with somebody who has that like track record is really helpful. Um, So definitely having mentors. And I think going back to like knowing how to ask for a favor like if you want mentorship know how to ask for it you know what can you offer and like while getting something back in return Mm -hmm. so that's been helpful for me and i think to having like a accountability group Mm -hmm. but it doesn't even have to be that serious i think just like aligning yourself with other business owners that may have the similar challenges as you and just like bouncing back ideas from each other has been really helpful Mm -hmm. Brittany chavez of our paradiso hey shout out to i not to cut you off shout out to her because she's <laughs> the one that made this happen i know she's gonna be listening to this episode shout out to you phenomenal episode that we had together but great person and yeah she made this happen yeah so it's like people like that that you know will like drop your name somewhere and you don't even know it and here i am mm-hmm. you know on this podcast because of her so I think really making your community of like-minded mm-hmm. entrepreneurs that are going to have your back. hundred percent. That's big. And so moving forward, looking into the, into the future, I know you have some secrets and some things that you're going to release later this year, but where do you see yourself taking this brand or where do you see yourself going as a person as well? Like, do you maybe creating another brand, another company, or like what, what are some other things that you would love to get into? Mm, I would love to just explore my peace of mind more. Mm. And, you know, I'm, I started this business. I started Ihat Mother when I was like 25. I'm like gonna be 32 now. So I'm in a very different headspace than I was in my like early mid twenties. And so now I'm like, how can I make changes in this business? How can I bring on different people so that I can just have more peace of mind? Mm. and tap into like other parts of my creative self Mm. uh like i mentioned i want to be a crazy farm lady Mm -hmm. like that's my ultimate goal is to like grow hija tu madre so much so that i could have a couple farms maybe one here in dallas Mm. um Mm. that's what i want to do i want to explore my creativity and just like feel more at peace yeah okay i love that and i mean you i think you mentioned that you love to move back to mexico city give that another try is that still a dream of yours oh my gosh (laughs) i don't know i think i love mexico city i love city life but i think i'm at a place where i just want to be as close to the earth Mm -hmm. as possible 
So I don't know if city life is for me right now. Yeah, no, it makes <laughs> sense. It makes sense. And um, I'm curious. I already know, I kind of know your answer already, but talk to us about the support you've been receiving from your parents. Like, have they been like, yo, we're proud of you, what you've been building and whatnot. I think your mom at one point, she was doing the accounting for you, which <laughs> is, um, that's, that's crazy. That's, that's what's up. Oh talk to gosh. us about like how your parents are being integrated. Yeah. So I think, you know, like a lot of Hispanic, Latino families, like my parents are just in my business, like literally mm -hmm. and like metaphorically speaking, like they're just so invested in what my future looks like and what decisions I make. So they're always gonna like give me their unsolicited advice, like be there to help me, you know, even when we were preparing for this pop-up tour, like my dad was there helping us, mm -hmm. you know, um, put stuff in the truck, you know, helping us like box some things. So I'm really grateful that I have parents that like show up for me because I know that's rare for some people. And I don't know. I'm I'm just so grateful that I have mm -hmm. a support system like That's that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I'm curious, in your perspective, what would you like to see more out of the Latino and Latina community? Mm -hmm. What do you want to see more of? Because I love, I do love what you said about. We speak a lot about representation, but instead of you just talk about it, that's an opportunity. You opportunity for you to fill that space but like what else would you love to see from us yeah oh man i think i'd love to see us having more like mm, financial awareness around mm. like where our money goes mm. you know i'd love for us to like be more conscious about investing with other latino entrepreneurs mm. other latino business owners you know, I'd love to see that wealth flourish within our community. Mm -hmm. I think that would be really, really transformative for a lot of people. Um, so I wish like that could be more talked about. Mm -hmm. No, 100%. I mean, th obviously, that's one of the reasons why we started the platform. But I will say, like, from my perspective, I really want to see more men, more Latino men show up on whether it's the Internet or just filling up more spaces because, Look, it's easy to find Latina entrepreneurs like yourself, Brittany, uh, a lot of Latinas in the finance space as well that are just killing it. But it's just like, man, where are the men at? Where are the guys at? Mm. It's it's hard to find. Like I, I have, you know, somebody on my team, shout out to Jeremiah. Um, you know, he's phenomenal, but we need we need more. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So um talking about wealth specifically, like there's it's not Maybe they're out there. I got to dig deeper and find them. Yeah. But, man, it's just, it's kind of hard to find on, on social. And you guys, you guys are just killing it. You guys are holding it down for sure. Well, I'm glad you're doing it. Yeah. You're, you're someone's role model right now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because you stepped up for this gap. Mm -hmm. For so sure. So I think that's really important. Appreciate it. Speaking about role models, do you have any anybody that comes to you like, hey, for mentorship, are you even in a space to do that right now? Do you even want to do that? Uh, talk to us. I know I know. we got some young Latinas hitting you up like, yo, how do you do this? Like, walk us yeah. through all of this, right? Yeah, I think 
as far as like offering my mentorship and my advice, like, you know, my DMs are always open. Mm -hmm. You've clearly done your research of like all of the things that I've ever said online. <laughs> so I feel like I've said a lot out there. So someone Google it because Chris go. has done a great job of that already. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but I, I do like to give my time to have like workshops and mm. panels. And I just did one. I actually just did two in Austin and I did one in LA earlier this year where we actually just like talked about like love and healing. Mm. And yeah, I I love giving back and talking about my experiences and hopefully helping somebody else. So my DMs are always open. Mm. Love that. Love that. Uh, we can start wrapping this thing up. You know, one thing I always ask people on the podcast is who is one person that needs to be a guest on the Latin Wells podcast? I think you should connect with Cindy, who okay. is the founder or one of the founders of Coco Andre here in Dallas. They also just opened up a second uh, location that's more of like a grocery store restaurant. She's out here in Dallas? Yes. Oh, well, we can make that happen. I think a Dallas girly on the podcast. Okay. I will connect you. We got to make that happen. Uh, with that being said, is there anything else that's on your mind that you love to tell the people or anything else that you want to? ask yeah my biggest ask is go shop at ihadmadre.com yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and tell people about our pop-up tour yeah. or just tell people about our brand you know mm -hmm. like i'm here because of so much community support so if listeners could just check us out share this with somebody that they feel like needs this mm -hmm. i would really appreciate that so tomorrow you're going to be in chicago um, you're also going to be in Miami, New York, anywhere else, or is that? That's it for that's now. That's it. Okay, cool. Is this going to be a yearly thing that you're going to be doing? Oh, man. I would love it to be. It's a lot of work. So I don't know. We'll see. I'll ch I'll check in with you after it's over. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to lie. You might do a pop-up, an international pop-up. You know what I'm saying? You hit <laughs> Dallas, New York, then you go to Mexico City. You hit Puerto Rico and yes. all that. You know, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, but it's been a pleasure getting you on the podcast and talking to you. Let the people know where they can reach out to you, find more information about your brand and so forth. And we'll link everything in the description of this podcast. Yeah, you can check out Hija de tu Madre on TikTok and IG at Hija de tu Madre. Our website's com. And if you love this episode and you want to tell me that, you can yeah. DM me at Party Skinny. Cool. And with that being said, it's your boy Chris. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace.